today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantar. If you've ever seen a baptism, that's supposed to be a picture, an image of salvation. In other words, when we profess Christ, we die to sin. We go under the water. Our old self goes under the water and dies. And we come, we rise with Christ in the new life that is ours in Christ. So baptism is a proclamation that this has happened to us. It's kind of a picture for us of what's happened in our hearts. Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He's strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. In order to know the person of Jesus, you must truly be committed to Him and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. In order to have the power of Jesus, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so you can be equipped for ministry. Not all believers are called to the full-time ministry in a church building, but all believers have a ministry that the Lord has given them to carry out. The only way you can be effective for the kingdom of God is to abide in Christ and be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 1, for part one of our message entitled, The Power and Person of Jesus. For us as Christians, we often say that we want to submit our lives to Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. But sometimes, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, sometimes your motives get mixed up. See, sometimes we want to follow and love Jesus because we love Jesus. And other times, we want to follow and love Jesus, well, because we get other things along the way. And and we begin to turn from loving, following Jesus out of love for him, begin to do it out of a desire to get something from him. And, and here's what I mean. Here, here are a few situations that might illustrate this a little bit. These are not based on anyone in the, in the congregation, in case you're wondering, but kind of a conglomeration. So first, Natalia really wants to get married. So she comes to the church to find a nice Christian boy who won't be like the other jerks at the bar. She even signs up to be a member of the church. But why is she doing it? Or take this, for instance. Scott's marriage is in trouble, so he comes in for counseling to try to save it. He, the pastor gives him a book or a few scriptures, and Scott wants to do what the pastor is telling him because he's seen strong Christian marriages, and he wants that kind of marriage. But he doesn't yet want to become a Christian. Or how about this? Daniel is in college and he's becoming, he's been suffering from anxiety attacks frequently. And so he's begun praying in order to develop a, an inner peace, an inner calm to center himself before the day begins. You see in these examples how sometimes our pursuit of Jesus gets kind of mixed up in, in why we're doing it. Sometimes we want what we get from Jesus and from following him more than we want Jesus himself. So this is what we're going to be exploring this morning. And we're going to cover our text this morning by looking at two important things that we learn about the power and person of Jesus. At first, we're going to look at the power, that the power of salvation is found only in the person of Jesus. So if you're in Acts 19, we're going to begin reading 
in verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was, in, was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Well, into what then were you baptized? And they said, Well, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So in this text, Paul goes back to Corinth. He had stopped there earlier in chapter 18, and he finds some men who are disciples, Okay, but, but what kind of disciples are they? It's kind of a question about, okay, who are these guys? Are they really followers of Jesus? Where did they come from? And he, he talks to them a little bit, and he finds out, just as he's conversing with them, that they don't know who the Holy Spirit is at all, which means that probably they are unaware of many of the most important events that have happened in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus and him sending the power of his Holy Spirit, meaning that they were disciples of John, who had heard John's message, but had not yet heard the message of Jesus. So Paul tells them about Jesus. And there's two kind of sub-points under this main point. And the first is that salvation comes with the person of Jesus. And, and these people, these disciples, had been baptized, but, but Paul decides to re-baptize them. And at first, this kind of seems like a strange passage, where we think, okay, what are we supposed to get out of this multiple baptism thing? What, is, what's exa what exactly is going on here? Well, John's baptism is different from a Christian baptism. You see, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance and cleansing in preparation for the Messiah. He was saying, look, the Messiah is coming soon. We need to prepare our hearts for him. But Christian baptism is a baptism into Jesus Christ. In other words, if you've ever seen a baptism, that's supposed to be a picture, an image of salvation. In other words, when we profess Christ, we die to sin. We go under the water. Our old self goes under the water and dies. And we come, we rise with Christ in the new life that is ours in Christ. So baptism is a proclamation that this has happened to us. It's kind of a picture for us of what's happened in our hearts. And by being baptized as Christians, we're saying, look, now I follow Jesus. I'm done with my old life. I'm pursuing Christ in my new life, and I've been raised with him. That's Christian baptism. It's a picture of salvation. Now, this has a really important implication, and it's this. It's not enough to be merely religious. See, it's not enough to be close to Christian belief. Close to, maybe almost at Jesus. See, there are many people, I think, who are close to belief in Jesus. Maybe they believe in God. Maybe they believe in a higher power. Maybe they believe in kind of a general spirituality. But they don't believe in Jesus. They haven't put their faith in Jesus and submitted their lives to him. Well, in Acts chapter 4, Peter says, There is salvation in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, the gospel is a message about Jesus. See, without Jesus, the gospel is not good news. We've got no gospel message apart from Jesus Christ. And without Jesus, Christianity is a ridiculous exercise in futility. Paul himself says, look, if Christ hasn't been raised, then all this is for nothing, and I deserve to be pitied for what I've done with my life. Now, personally, this, this also has some radical implications for us. And honestly, unexpectedly, I was convicted as I read this text. And here's why. All too often in, in my family, in, in people that I know, people that I meet, when someone professes some kind of a belief in God, I think, oh, that's great. Outstanding. Or if they make a reference to praying or praying to a higher power, I think, oh, great. Well, they're taken care of. Rather than doing what Paul does and, and inquiring, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Son of God? Have you put your faith in him? And, and guys, this is huge because in El Paso, El Paso has a long religious history of many different kinds and denominations of churches being in El Paso for a long time. And so after a while, it can kind of just feel religious and, and people kind of grow up knowing how to talk about a relationship with God on some level. And, and when we as Christians are kind of like, oh yeah, that they're using the right terminology, I'm sure they're fine. See, Paul says, no, no, no. What do you believe about Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Because it makes all the difference in the world. The difference between believing in Jesus or not is the difference between literally heaven and hell. So for us as Christians, we must love our friends, our family, our neighbors, enough to inquire, to ask them a few more questions. Because it's easy to act religious. It's easy to have that appearance. So are you, are you going beyond the surface with people that you know? And, and guys, this is also a wonderful opportunity because it means they're not far off. Maybe if you have a friend that talks like that, they're not far off. Maybe they're like these disciples where they're almost waiting for what else that they need to do. And you could be that person that brings the message of Jesus to them. And maybe you're here and you're, you're thinking, wow, you know what, that, that's a good question. Do I really believe in Jesus or is there some kind of a higher power or God in general that I believe? Well, you know, friend, let me urge you that this matters. This is life and death. This is worth spending time on and exploring. Now, let's continue in the text. Verse 5 says, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. Now, I'm going to skip down to verse 11, because there's something relevant down here. Verse 11 says, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So there's a lot of power going on. Some striking things are happening. But what's the point? 
Well, the second point I want to make in this section is that power comes with the person of Jesus. Power comes with the person of Jesus. See, Paul lays his hands on these men and they receive the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way. And Luke is, is kind of choosy about when he records that people display these miraculous gifts in the book of Acts. And he usually uses them, those instances, to mark a, a big shift in the gospel message, that the gospel is breaking another barrier. So we see that, that the Holy Spirit is poured out in the beginning of Acts, where before the presence of God was, was only sort of in the tabernacle, sort of in, in the Holy of Holies. Now it's been poured out on everyone. And so Luke records it and makes a big deal out of it as if to say, look, the, this Holy Spirit power, this presence of God has broken another barrier. It is now with the Jewish people, everyone who believes in Jesus. Then it breaks the barrier of the Samaritans who are sort of half Jewish. And then it breaks another barrier and goes to the Gentiles who are not Jewish at all. See, it's marking big shifts in, in salvation coming to people. Well, here, I wrestled with for a while this week, okay, why here? Why does Luke record, okay, there's a miraculous uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Why? Well, I think Luke records it here to show that Christians must be saved through repenting and believing in Jesus Christ to receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, that Jesus is what is absolutely essential for our salvation, for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and for the many benefits of salvation. In other words, it's not enough to kind of be an Old Testament believer after Jesus has come. You must put your faith in Jesus. And, and as a powerful demonstration of that, he pours out the Holy Spirit. See, when we're saved, we receive power to live the Christian life. I mean, maybe as a Christian, you, you've ever thought, look, I can't do this. God is calling me to something too hard. I can't obey him. I can't do this. This is, this is difficult. This is a trial. What am I going to do? Has anyone ever been there in their Christian life? You ever been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. Great. Okay, I just want to make sure it wasn't just me. I thought, man, well, maybe you guys are doing much better than I, than I am. <laughs> I've, I've been there where we're thinking, man, I wish, I wish this was easier. I wish I could do this. I wish I could believe. I wish I could have faith. Well, the good news of the Christian gospel is not that you're saved by Jesus and then the rest is up to you. The Christian life, you got to struggle this thing out on your own, man. you got to slug this thing out. It's like Jesus gives you a thumbs up and sends you on your way. <laughs> it's not what happens. When we are Christians, when we put our faith in God, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to act out the Christian life. I love what Paul says later in the book of Colossians. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So if you're a Christian and you're thinking, I don't know if I have power to overcome this trial, to believe, to fight this sin. Brother or sister, you have power. Just maybe there's not been a massive visible outpouring for you, but most assuredly the Holy Spirit is in your heart. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't in you, you wouldn't have been able to believe. The Holy Spirit is the one who opened your eyes up and showed you Jesus Christ. 
So you have that power. And, and Luke goes a little bit further with this story of these handkerchiefs. Now, this is, I'm going to admit, this is a kind of a strange anecdote in the middle of Acts. Um, Luke says that these are extraordinary miracles. Where In the, the, the original language, it's literally miracles not of the ordinary kind. Which is kind of, you're like, miracles that aren't even like normal miracles. So there's like a super miracle or something. Some category that Luke's creating here. Well, he, he's showing these like super miracles that, that are bizarre where Paul's sweaty handkerchief, where I did some research into this, probably is what, what this refers to is if you imagine Paul being out in the El Paso summer lecturing and wiping his forehead with a handkerchief, that's probably what this was. You know, this isn't like a, an autographed handkerchief that he was handing out. These were like sweaty, gross handkerchiefs that people were collecting them. I mean, he's wiping his head and throwing this thing to the ground. People are picking them up, taking them to sick people, and they're getting healed. Now, I just want to say this is not an apologetic for like going out and finding Paul's handkerchiefs. Although I'm, I'm sure they would be useful. But that's not the point Luke's, Luke's trying to get across here. He, what he's trying to show us is how extraordinary the power of Jesus Christ is. He's saying that not only can the power of Jesus Christ save people, not only can it accomplish miracles, like Paul putting his hand on someone and them being healed, it can accomplish super miracles where Paul's not even there, only his handkerchief and sweat are. See, Luke's trying to get across, this is how powerful God is in salvation and beyond salvation. It, it, it's meant to show all his energy that he was powerfully working in Paul. So, brothers and sisters, I just want to say here, let us never forget how powerful the God we serve is. See, God is not the figment of our imagination. He he is a God who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. He is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He created the universe. He recreates lives. He pulls people out of addictions. He rescues marriages. He heals miraculously. He takes dead hearts and makes them alive. See, this is the Christ that we serve. And so Luke wants us to see he wants us to see that the power of salvation is found only in the person of Jesus. He wants us to see how great this power is, but how it's so tied, so interlinked with the message and person of Jesus Christ. But second, Luke also has another point for us here, very tied to the first point, and that's this, that the power of Jesus cannot be separated from following the person of Jesus. The power of Jesus cannot be separated from following the person of Jesus. You can't have one without the other, which is going to be illustrated in the next couple of stories. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, now, the, okay, I just thought that was interesting by itself. What do you think? Are there roving, were there roving bands of itinerant Jewish exorcists? Apparently these men undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. 
But the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, if you're reading that and wondering, is Luke using a little bit of irony to be humorous here to show how foolish these men were? The answer is yes. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Now, it goes on to say that many of the believers had come with magical books, these, these dark arts books, and they brought all their books together, and they burned them, and the value of them came to 50,000 pieces of silver, which is in the millions and millions of dollars. So what is, what is this little story about the sons of Sceva illustrate? Well, Luke is definitely using some irony, showing that this demon was smarter than these exorcists were who thought that they could just throw out Jesus' name like a magic charm and get it to do what they wanted. See, the thing you have to notice about these men is that they, they saw the power of Jesus, right? They saw it. It was undeniable. And they wanted that. But didn't want the person of Jesus. They wanted to be able to do the kinds of things that the power of Jesus enables you to do, but they did not want to have to put their faith in Jesus and submit their lives to Jesus. So the first point I want to make in this section is that following Jesus is not a magic charm. Following Jesus is not a magic charm. We, we can, all of us, have the same attitude of these people where we see some benefit that Jesus provides people, whether it's hope, whether it's restored marriages, whether it's, you know, help breaking an addiction, whether it's a community of believers where you are loved and belong. We want those things, but we're not willing to submit our lives to Jesus. We're not willing to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We see the benefits of Jesus, the power of Jesus, and we think, I want that. How do I get some of that? You know what I, I think I should do? I, I, should, I should get some, some prayers like, like some spiritual person I pray that I know prays. Maybe get them to write down some prayers for me and I could pray those and, and then get some of those benefits. Or maybe there's a, a book that somebody read that I could read that book and get that benefit of a restored marriage and just kind of put that stuff to, about Jesus to the side. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. Christian bookstore shelves are packed with books touting the true way the church should operate. Some believe that everything should be done exactly like the first century church. How can we know if what we practice as Christians is truly biblical? The book of Acts details how the church functioned after the death and resurrection of Christ. Pastor Ricky will be gleaning insights for us from this book that will help us understand the church in this age. 
You've been listening to Better News Radio, the radio ministry of Pastor Ricky Alcantar of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. That's radio at betternewsradio.com. Today's message as taught at Cross of Grace Church can be downloaded from our website at betternewsradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 915-562-7100. Perhaps today's message was exactly what you're looking for in a church. If you don't have a home church, we invite you to join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Community groups of believers also meet throughout the week in many locations around the city for Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. For more information, including driving directions, visit betternewsradio.com. The theme music here on Better News Radio was provided courtesy of Sovereign Grace Music. Pastor Ricky will continue sharing messages from the Book of Acts next time on Better News Radio.